Hey there, I'm Ryan, CEO of Rootly. Rootly transforms text-based job descriptions into fully branded, fully interactive candidate experiences. Over the past decade, every element of the candidate experience has evolved and been optimized except for job descriptions. They're still completely text-based and boring for candidates. And that's exactly why we built Rootly. Companies like Johnson & Johnson, Indigo, and Diply are already using Rootly to completely transform their candidate experience. We'd love to show you how it works. So head over to rootly.com, R-U-U-T-L-Y, and sign up for a demo. Mention that you heard about us on this podcast and get three months of Rootly for free. See you soon. Hey, Sansvason, it's Jorgen Sundberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast by Link Humans, London's Employer Branding Agency. Today, we're speaking to an award winning employer brand here in the UK that's doing a great job at attracting young talent into a career that many school leavers have never even considered. Sound good? Let's start the show. Steve Keith, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Jürgen. How are you? Very good, thanks. Let us know, please, what EY is and what you do there. Okay, so um, I suppose it's probably maybe better to start with kind of um, my role at EY. Um, you maybe understand why in a second. So mm-hmm. I, I lead on the marketing communications for all of our um Apprenticeship, apprenticeship opportunities here at EY in the UK. Um, for um, EY, one of the biggest um, global professional services firms in the world. So the reason I say it might be better to start with my role is that I've spent a lot of time over the last seven and a half years um, whilst I've been with the firm um, trying to understand how you articulate that to a young person that's aged 14 to 18 years old and yeah. um, without kind of suggesting that anybody listening now might not necessarily know who you are or need things dumbing down i think sometimes for me it's easier to start from that level so for for me it's very much about um we've got um people that work across our four service lines across assurance consulting tax and transactions um that use their business skills knowledge and experience to advise clients on how they can make better decisions about the way their businesses are run and i suppose that's me in a nutshell of what professional services is um we've got offices in over 200 countries around the world employing over 200,000 people um and we work with lots of different scales of businesses it could be small business owners right up to huge multinational organizations um startups and even governments so there's quite a broad spectrum of the work that we do as well great and i think um, you're commonly referred to as one of the big four we are yes yeah yeah and when did ey change from well when did it change into ey from uh, ernst and young it was a global rebrand that happened back in 2012, so um, six years ago. Um, we had a, um, a change in leadership. Um, our global CEO, Mike Weinberger, took over, and he wanted to use that as an opportunity to really kind of shake up and disrupt the way that people think about us and also to, to realign our messages around kind of what our purpose is and what we're trying to achieve in the world. So we, we took that bold step there and changed from Ernst & Young into EY. Um, but as you can imagine, with an, an organization that's been it's as large as EY and that's been going for so long. There are still lots of people that still refer to us as Ernst & Young, but it is, it is EY now moving forwards. Yeah, great. Okay, so can you describe the corporate culture at EY, please? 
Yeah, for me, I think um, it's it's the three words that encompass it really is, but it's inclusive, it's flexible, and it's entrepreneurial. Um, I think for me, um, EY is really well known for um, valuing opinions and the ideas of all of our people. And that doesn't matter kind of what age you are or wherever you come from. Either There's a real diverse thinking element with there. And if I think about my own journey of kind of how I came into EY, um, it was following a career teaching um, geography in a school in East London. Um, and it was a time when um, EY was just starting to think about the value that young people at school age levels, so 16 through to 18, could add into um, to our business in terms of adding in the different diversity and fresh perspectives um, that they have. And that was exactly how I felt back in 2010 when I joined as well. Um, and so I think in terms of that inclusivity, um, I myself um, identify as being LGBT. And I think the environment that I work in has always been um, a one that has enabled me to be myself and be very authentic in the workplace. Um, which has been great. The flexibility that's available, and that's not just in terms of flexible working, being able to kind of work and, and deliver um, based on output rather than presenteeism, which I think is really important within the workplace now. I mean, for example, I'm working at home today. It gives me a lot of headspace to be able to, to get things done and start my week in the right way. Um, and then that entrepreneurial piece as well, um, there is a real kind of can-do attitude. And if you've got an idea, share it. And if it's a good idea, then people will let you run with it. So you don't necessarily need to be an entrepreneur um, and working for yourself. You can do it in a big organization like UI. And that's one of the great things that I like about the culture. Sounds like a fantastic place, but I'm sure like uh, like all fantastic companies, you also have rooms for improvement. So, so what talent challenges are you faced with? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of different internal and external challenges at play there. So I suppose for us at the moment, the way that we do business and the world around us is changing and evolving quite fast. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a big global business, we need to evolve with it. So the focus is, I suppose, very much in response to that changing world of work and helping us to, to reposition ourselves within that. So for me, it comes down to um, challenges around the gig economy, um, the rise that we've seen in that since 2000 and the way that talent is looking for greater flexibility and increased earning potential. You've got a piece, going back to that piece around entrepreneurialism, of 20% um, of people wanting to quit their job to work on their own project or the rise of, rise of the, um, the side hustle, so allowing people to work outside of their regular nine-to-five as well. Yeah. Um, I take advantage of that at points. I, I have a, um, a career history back in personal training as well, so when I can fit that in around my day job, I do. And I think there's, there's great benefits in terms of talent and, and the way that that adds um, into the, the people that you recruit. It, it makes them smarter, more connected, better at building relationships, which is great for, for talent, for building uh, your business up. You've got a piece around extreme working. So it's kind of almost become normalized in a way for people to regularly work. 60 hours plus in a week that's highly intensive and fast-paced yeah. and they're connected 24-7 so you've got all the impacts of that and the challenges of facing that and the support that needs to be in place to be able to to help people that want to do that as part of their career um, but I suppose for me are at risk of burnout potentially if you're looking at those number of hours um, 
the piece around, I suppose, career waves and the, the, the traditional career ladder that we might have seen in the workplace is becoming a thing of the past and that people want to be able to ramp up and down their careers to fit with different life stages. Um, and then the, the two final challenges that I think that are particularly pertinent to my role um, at EY focus um, around cross-general workplace and the fact that you've got so many different views um, on what a successful career and, and good work looks like. Um, I've just finished reading, reading a great book um, by Larry Johnson and his daughter Megan around um, generations and the way that you can manage friction between them in the workplace. It's really interesting to think about. Also, as well, around um, a focus on skills and not jobs. So, the job role and years of experience that people have for me are becoming less important, and it's the skill set that's now becoming really recognizable and that's valuable to an employer. So, those are the challenges that I would say we're faced with at the moment. And uh, if we focus in a little bit around uh, apprenticeships, which uh, is a big focus of yours and uh, early stage talent. Yeah. Uh, could you, for the benefit of our non-UK listeners, could you just tell us about the apprenticeships uh, in this country? It's a, basically, it's a fairly recent push by the government and business, but yeah. Yeah, yeah no, totally it is. I suppose for apprenticeships, for many people, I think they're necessarily associated with, with blue-collar workers. Um, they've had a particularly bad reputation of kind of just being about making cups of tea, photocopying, sweeping up hair um, and things like that for apprenticeships. And, and they've had a, a bad rap in that way. But there is a huge opportunity that the government's um, jumping on at the moment and the employers like EY are supporting, which is to really drive up the standard of apprenticeships and to make them a really respectable career option for young people. A lot of people in the UK in particular, um, myself included, went straight from our um, sixth form school studies and went straight into university and kind of did that blindly in a way without looking at all of the different opportunities that were out there. And apprenticeships are a great opportunity for people who are really are ready to go into the workplace at the age of 18 um, for our programs, for example, um, and to develop skills on the job. Um, and the government's recognised that and seen what value they can add to um, addressing the skills gap that we faced um, as a country in the UK, but also the economic benefit in terms of productivity as, as a nation. Um, and so apprenticeships are, are kind of a, a really hot topic. Um, and as such, at the moment, the UK government introduced a levy back in April 2017. Um, and that levy was um, for businesses um, that have um, a certain um, number of people working in their payroll would pay an additional tax and that tax would be used to um, to encourage employers to draw down on it and to deliver training and development that align to apprenticeship standards. So that's where we're at with apprenticeships in the UK at the moment. We've been running them for um, a, a good number of years at EY. Um, we have a business apprenticeship and we're just launching um, a series of um, digital degree apprenticeships to help us with that shift in the way that the world of work is moving. Um, and I, I feel, even though I haven't been somebody that's gone to university myself, they're a fantastic opportunity. Um, and they definitely shouldn't be something that's overlooked by young people. And indeed, anybody who is um, not necessarily a young person, because apprenticeships are open to anybody of any age. Great. Okay. And uh, if we look at uh, employer brand, how, impo how important is your employer brand when, let's say, talking to uh, school leavers? 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, in a way that goes to goes back to how I kind of explain my job when people ask what I do, particularly mm. my grandparents, for example. I mean, for, to be honest, they think I'm a careers advisor because it's easier just to tell them that I'm <laughs> working careers and try and explain what my job is. But when um, what employer branding helps us to do is it helps us to reposition how EY seen and, and manage our reputation, but also for us, it helps us to, to explain what we do. Um, because if you look at a school leaver that's leaving school at the age of 18, they're the brands, the companies that they're used to seeing are the, the Googles, the BBCs, NHSs of this world. And they expect jobs to exist for those organisations, but they don't necessarily know about EY. It's very different in a, in a campus environment because there's lots of us that um, employers that go on to campus and talk regularly to students and share opportunities. But what em- employer branding enables us to do is to really kind of um, help um, these young people to understand the different opportunities that are available for them. Um, so there's, there's an element of um, the apprenticeships brand focusing on how the market's changing with the introduction of, of Gen Z into, into the mix um, and understanding the experience that our apprentices are having. Um, they're essentially pioneers on a new program, a new, a new talent route into our business um, and bringing that together with how um, we understand the business lifestyle and we explain it um, and that's it's really important from a diversity and inclusion point of view but what it helps us to do is to really showcase what we do. Excellent and do you have an EVP and does this EVP resonate well? We do have an EVP and uh, from uh, from an experience point of view the, the, the story that we tell is very much around um, disruption and, and the fact that it's the new norm inside and outside of EY and only by thinking and working in more agile and innovative ways are we going to exceed either individually or, or collectively. So that's why we're transforming our business. That's why we're helping our people to evolve to and equipping them what, what they need to success in the changing world. Um, and that changing world, when you then um, mold the EVP to fit a school's audience, is thinking about actually, well, um, we're, we're disrupting ourselves, we're bringing human skills and technology together, we're evolving the workplace, um, strengthening our culture and really becoming future ready. And that with the right training, the right mindset and in the right environment, um, our students can start to develop and expand their future skills to kickstart their career as well. So um, it's really about um, saying we're ready for the world of tomorrow, are you? Oh, is that the, the actual line? The, the the final line that goes underneath that is uh, start today, change tomorrow. Oh, love it. Great. Okay, so what's the best way to communicate this to, to your audience? There's lots of different ways in terms of the best way to communicate it. I, I feel like with the school's audience focusing on that 14 to 18 bracket that the communication piece is really key and that when you when you think about the way that a lot of us as employer branding professionals might think about how you get a, mass, a message out to candidates and, and kind of people that are interested in you. It might be through websites, job boards, more of the traditional way of thinking. From a um, communication point of view for, um, for school leavers, um, we take much more of a, a peer-to-peer, face-to-face 
um, communication style. Um, we've been really lucky in the last week. We've been recognised with our schools programme um, at the, the RAD Awards last week um, alongside Employer Brand for our Future Work um, campaign and also for our website as well. But what we, what we start with in terms of communicating is getting that research and insight into what we're doing and thinking about smart positioning. Um, that enables us then to think about how we create personas for each of our audiences. So for schools, for example, when I'm thinking about apprenticeships, I need to be able to think about the different types of students that are going to look at apprenticeships. There's people that have considered them but aren't sure. There's people that would say they would never go down that path. There's people that say they're ready to go down that path. But outside of that group, for this particular age group as well, I have parents and teachers to consider as well because they're a part of the conversation and they need to be communicated to as well. So it's about thinking about all those different backgrounds and experiences that are at play, um, the different moments of choice that they go through. Yeah. So a young person going through this exploratory phase of, is that right for me? What's that company do? What would I do in that job? All the way through to... I'm going to start an application, I'm going to come through the recruitment process, I'm going to join. And all of that then comes together in terms of how we communicate it to inform our content marketing strategies that we have for social media. Um, we focus much less on job boards for the last couple of years, for example, and really put a lot of investment um, budget-wise and time into um, social media content marketing. Um, a lot of video we know that um, young people respond really well to video and part of the, the campaign that picked up the award last week was looking at, um, we did a selfie campaign. So we put our um, trust in the hands of the apprentices and got them to film their experience and to create job descriptions that candidates could watch rather than read. Um, we then used um, innovation in the market with platforms like Debut that's actually been created by um, NEY alumni. Um, we've got tools on our website to help school leavers to make the right choice for them based on their strengths and give them access to our people. So we have almost like a little pop quiz that you can do on our website, EYNU, that helps you to work out which of our service lines you're best suited to. Because it's one challenge, somebody deciding that they want to work in professional services, but then we ask them which of our four areas they want to work in. Um, and also tools like Pathmotion, where our people are live behind this platform and students can ask questions directly to them. And so it's, a, it's really about using all of those different strategies there, but then also as well having that in, outside of a digital space, having a, an offline strategy and very much for us that communication comes from our network of apprentice ambassadors. So we have people that have said, I want to be a role model. I want to go into my old school. I want to support at careers events. And they've really become advocates for our brand and the EY experience. And they communicate our employer brand for us. Wow. So there's a lot going on there. So which one? A lot, yeah. yeah what's, the, what's the best converting source of hire? It's actually, when you look at it, it it's, it's very much around that face-to-face -face interaction with mm. um, not necessarily just our apprentice ambassadors, because we're really fortunate that each of the offices that we recruit into for our apprenticeship programs has a schools team based in it that go and do local outreach. So that covers um, apprentices, managers, partners, everybody in the business really invested in doing that. And that um, the best source of hire then comes from referrals. 
and it's from EY people meeting young people and um, helping them to decide whether or not we're right, first of all, and then where they fit. And then also helping them through the recruitment process as well, giving them tips and, and also mentoring them when they enter the business. And it's, it's that real kind of switch that you've got from being a candidate to an employee that that really helps with, because then if you think longer term for retention in terms of talent, um, it helps with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now you've listed uh, a lot of initiatives here, but are there any that you're particularly proud of that you'd like to mention today? Yeah, I mean, there's one I haven't mentioned. I've mentioned the group themselves, but I haven't actually mentioned the the way that we've communicated with them yet, but it's around parents. So we launched a parental advice campaign last August, um, and that was to coincide with GCSE Results Day. Um, so we, we, we'd already published some research a few years ago and we'd identified that parents were the number one influencer of young people. But what we wanted to do was to use that information to, to start a conversation about something. So we did a second piece of research last July with um, over a thousand parents that had got children of the 14 to 18 years old. So the students that we're trying to speak to and asked them about their opinions about careers in the world of work to see how we should be speaking to them. And um, some of the just, I'll just throw some of the stats that came out of that at you, but um, parents generally lacked confidence in supporting their child's career uh, aspirations. Half of them said that they would worry that if they did give some advice, it would hinder their child's future. Um, 30% of them said that they don't exist, they don't understand the jobs that exist today. Um, 74% of them said that they hadn't had any guidance themselves when they were looking at careers when they were their child's age. Um, and quite interestingly as well, 95% of them said that they thought apprenticeships were a good thing. But a quarter of them also said that, that there was no conversation when it came to apprenticeships via uni, that they would be going to uni. So there's almost an underlying, I think apprenticeships are great, but not for my kid, um, dynamic going on. So we built um, this campaign, Parental Advice. We um, launched through some um, national PR and conversations on radio with our talent partner, Maggie Stilwell, and one of our apprentices, Jade, um, which had um, a great pickup. We then hosted a live panel event at the National Theatre in London. We asked um, Sarah Beanie from the television to come along. She's got four young boys. She talked lots about all of the conversations that she has with them and the worries that she's got for them for the future. Um, and then the third element of the campaign was to deliver our solution to the problem. So last October, we launched um, the EY Parentorship. Um, and it was a, a, a day workshop for child and parent duos to come along and learn about the world of work and find out a bit about themselves. And um, we had um, a psychologist there that um, had spent time with them, understanding their motivations and behaviours. And we also invited um, uh, a personal branding expert to come along um, to deliver some mentoring around um, how to stand out in the market um, and we're looking at expanding those at the moment and just exploring where we take the campaign next because it's just had such a great reception yeah sounds like uh, you got, must have got a lot of goodwill from that um, and to be blunt did you get any good uh, applications as well for for the apprenticeship scheme 
We haven't uh, necessarily in terms of the, the purpose of the campaign largely for me was around brand awareness. Yeah. But in terms of if I look at those parents that came along to that parentorship, we have had applications from the students that came along with their mum or their dad to join either our work experience programme um, or to join the apprenticeship uh, this September. So it has had some impact. But for me, it was much more about branding. But it's always nice when it converts. I mean, Steve, let us know when one of the parents actually applies. Then that's when you know it's <laughs> That's a really good point, actually, there, Jürgen, yeah. yeah. Right, so um, measuring ROI on employer brand, how do you go about? Do you have any specific metrics in place? I mean, for, for us as a team and the, and the way that um, I, I measure it in a hard way is around applications and offers to um, the programs that we have on offer. Um, we've seen over a, for apprenticeships alone a 400% increase on applications over the last five years. So the demand is there. Um, and the number of people that have joined us has gone up as well. Um, we're looking for 200 apprentices this year, um, and that's compared to the 50 that joined us five, six years ago. So in terms of ROI on that, for me, there's a piece around supply and demand. Um, a lot of it is around um, diversity and inclusion for me as well, so whether that's you focusing on on um, uh, BME or LGBT or gender that you can measure in terms of return on investment. But a big part of it is around, um, it's particularly focusing on the apprenticeship piece, is for me around um, the experience that our apprentices are having. And in the schools market in the UK, there's a couple of rankings that are similar to your Glassdoor type rankings. And um, our apprentices every year submit uh, reviews on their experience on our programs and everybody that um, has apprentices in the UK can do exactly the same and that brings out a ranking of, of the top 100 players in the UK and um, we've been fortunate enough in the last couple of years with um, the Rate My Apprentice ranking within that to have come out at the top of the ranking um, and then we're currently the, the, the top professional services employer for, for the other ranking that's there as well so um, for me, that's a good return on investment there because it, it, almost for me, it shows that everything that we're working to say the EY experience is translates to what the candidate has when they then join as an employee. Great. So what was was it called? Rank My Apprenticeship? Uh, rate My Apprenticeship. Great. And what was the other one? Um, it's all about school leavers. Okay, great. Now... Lots of employer brand managers listening to this. What would be your top three tips for them? Top three tips. Good question. Um, first one, I think, would be around knowing your audience and understanding them. Um, I think that applies to whoever you're um, trying to attract. It's worked particularly well for us because we've been trying to speak to an audience that we didn't really know much about. I, mean, I used to be a secondary school teacher, but that doesn't mean that I know everything about what a 14, 18-year-old thinks or does um so there's there's a danger i suppose of presuming things unless you know your audience mm. um the second piece i think is around taking a longer term view and taking things step by step if it's something that i've learned in the last five years it's that um even when you're being pushed to kind of deliver something straight away it it, there's a lot of value in stepping back and looking at a strategy and thinking about what do we want to achieve in year one, two, three, four, five. And if I look back now, there's also quite a nice story that you can tell about how you've built up your employer brand rather than 
um, just kind of throwing everything at it. Um, and then the third piece, I think, particularly linking to the changes that are happening um, within EY, but within the wider workplace, is um, being able to deal with ambiguity and change. And um, seeing a destination and being able to get there without necessarily knowing what that destination is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah. if we look at um, where you draw inspiration from, do you have any anything that we should be checking out or any people or any companies? Yeah, I mean, the, there's, there is a couple for me. So from a, a person point of view, um, to go back to our apprenticeship, so the um, the entrepreneur that delivered our personal branding session back at that, Bianca Miller-Cole. Now, um, people in the UK may be more familiar with her as a finalist from the BBC Apprentice a few years ago. Um, but what she's done has been phenomenal. She's she's used that as a platform to set up her own business, become an expert in personal branding. And she's literally just um, in the last couple of months uh, released um, a book with her husband, Byron, sharing her tips on how to set up your own business um, and was named in Forbes's 30 under 30 last week as well and I think there's something about me in terms of for inspiration for people that give back and she's absolutely somebody that does that and that's what's why she inspires me um, and then from a company perspective and it starts with the person so I think of um, Ariana Huffington, who co-founded and is editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post. But I, by chance, came across um, her book Thrive in um, one of those bookcases that you find in London tubes where people have just left a book for somebody to read. Nice. Um, and it was something that just came at the right time for me. I was struggling a bit with depression and anxiety at the time, and the book helped me to focus on what mattered for me at the time. But She's also used it to launch a global platform, Thrive Global, and use that to create content that's focusing on well-being in a busy world and has this um, a great podcast as well where she interviews inspirational people who are reconnecting themselves and disconnecting from technology. And for me, in terms of employer branding as well, there's lots of linkages there as well into a busy, a busy world where it's very easy for us all to get a bit frazzled. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, is that the book uh, where she talks about the value of sleep or is that a different book? Yes. It is the one. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic book, but I think it was, it was one of those things that just kind of fate or whatever you want to call it happened. And I found that book <laughs> and I've stumbled on the work that she does and she's created this fantastic platform that I would recommend anybody that's got anything, um, kind of around wellbeing and mental health to tune into. Yeah, Thrive Global. Okay, right. Yeah. And what's um, in uh, looking into your crystal ball? What do you think is up next for employer brand? I mean, I, th I think it's kind of already started in a way, but I think it's the maybe the longer term impact of Generation Z mm -hmm. and their introduction into the workplace. If you think about today's teenagers, they're growing up in a world where they've got widening social social inequality. There's a bit of polit political apathy going on. There's a lot of economic uncertainty. But they're also really curious, kind, creative group. And they're worried about the future. And um, you've got things like work-life balance that's important to them, flexibility. The f they want to be able to customize things and have control over um, the, the workplace. 
um, as much as they do in other elements of their lives that they they find with things like Netflix and everything that serves up the content to them based on on their preferences. Um, and there's another great book actually. I'm a bit of a bookworm to be fair. Um, uh, that's been written by Chloe Comby, um, and it's named. It's literally just named Generation Z. But it, she's interviewed loads of um, young people that would be categorised as Generation Z, so those that are born um, after um, Google in 1996. And it's a really great insight into um, the voice of Generation Z and what they're looking for. And I think that's where the focus on employer brand will come next. I mean, for me, there's a danger around labels. They're so new to the workplace that I think we've almost kind of said what they're going to be like before we've given them chance to prove otherwise. Um, but I think that kind of almost always happens with generational research. But I definitely think that's where, um, as employer brand professionals, we need to start to focus and adopt our practice. Absolutely. And we were both at this conference uh, before Christmas when, I can't remember who it was, but someone talked about Generation Alpha as well. Yeah. So beyond Z, those kids mm-hmm. are, I don't know, five, ten years old right now. But yeah. You know, even looking at that, so it, yeah, it keeps it, it keeps um, being a new generation coming in. Great. So, where can people connect with you, Steve? Um, in terms of connect, connecting with the the great opportunities that we've got at EY, we've got um, as I said, our award winning website from the Rads last week, which you'll find at uh, ukcareers.ey.com. Um, you can then choose whether you go through to our experienced higher our scores or our graduate sections of the website from there. And if anybody wants to um, stay in touch and find out more about the work of apprenticeships and stuff, then I'm a bit of an avid tweeter and you can catch me on um, at Steve underscore EY. Okay, well, it's been great. Thank you so much, Steve. No worries. Thanks, Jürgen. Okay, I hope that was useful. Everything that Steve and I discussed will, of course, be in the show notes article, which you'll be able to find at employerbrandingpodcast.com. And a big thank you to Rootly, our sponsors. Do check out their very cool product at rootly.com and mention the Employer Branding Podcast for your three months free trial. Now... How do you measure employer brand? I mean, you could win awards, just like EY. You can fulfill a good supply of qualified candidates. You can impact retention. But how do you measure how you're actually performing in the eyes of your candidates, employees, and alumni, ultimately your customers? We have developed the Employer Brand Index to help practitioners like yourself to understand your company's reputation as an employer. The Employer Brand Index gives you a quantitative and qualitative, or quantitative and qualitative on request, understanding of what candidates, employees, and alumni think presented in an easily understandable and actionable report. Happy to discuss and show you a few sample reports. Just get in touch. You can email me at jorgen at linkhumans.com. You'll find me on social media. And you can also check out employerbrandindex.co. And of course, I'll put all these links in the show notes. And that is it for this week. Many thanks for tuning in. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Hey, dog! What kind of cheese do you use to disguise a small horse? Don't know. Mascarpone.